Hello and welcome to a brand new Coordination Overreaction here on YouTube and of course your fine podcast uh, uh, app of your choosing. I don't know. That was weird. Uh, I'm your host, Greg Mahochko, and joining me is the man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour, Mr. Haas Reuter. Haas, we're celebrating a dub from Friday Night Football. To quote Kevin Malone from The Office, it's just nice to win one. (laughs) So Speaking of The Office and Kevin Malone, um, Nebraska had three turnovers late in that game. Uh, Two of them were fumbles, one Emmett Johnson, one uh, Anthony Grant. Apparently, it's Illinois' thing when the other team fumbles that they show Kevin Malone coming into the office and fumbling his pot of chili. Did did they do a live recreation of that with Brett Bielema as Kevin Malone? <laughs> they could have, but no, they didn't. <laughs> um, you know, I have to give them points for creativity. That's funny. Like, yeah, okay. It, and so, and I'll say this: having never been, and this is not news. I if if you're hearing this for the first time, it's because you haven't been around long enough. But having never taken in a game at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, I've been to three games now at uh, Illinois Memorial Stadium. Uh, they have the band, the marching band, on the north end zone. They have the student section right above that. That place gets loud. That side. Um, so for for context, uh, Illinois' first drive was heading to that end zone when Nebraska made the two back-to-back stops inside the one, and then they had the ball with the, the back nose of the football pretty much on the goal line. They had the student section, which was probably at that point, I don't know, a couple grand strong, like three, four grand strong, something like that, uh, with the band right in, in their ear holes. They were able to tune it out. I mean, that was Adam Carricker said, you know, on his gut reaction that that may have been the turning point of the game. And it happened so early. But, uh, you know, we saw Illinois drive in that first possession. We saw them drive in their last possession. They didn't do a whole lot in between. I know they had the touchdown, obviously, in between, but they didn't do a whole lot offensively. I got to say this, and, and I'm probably jumping ahead, so I apologize. Where would this team be without Tony White in the defense? Potentially winless, right? <laughs> uh, it's not hyperbole either. No, uh, truly, I think we we would be looking at probably an zero and six start with the lack of offensive talent we have, and if we had a defensive coordinator who was kind of maybe trying to put a round peg into a square hole, you know, um, similar to past DCs that we've had. So, yeah, I mean, Tony White is worth his weight in gold. It, it, I, I wasn't paying. The one thing that I think, you know, I forget because I, I go to, a, a you know, again, this is the fourth Nebraska game I've been uh, to in person. I went in, in the last three were all in uh, Champaign. The first one was in Pasadena. It was UCLA. It was 2012. Um, but the one thing I always take for granted from watching at home versus being in the stands is, and I was saying this to my buddy uh, who was there with me last night, and and my my boy, my oldest uh, uh, Garrett was there. He was a trooper, dude. He, we'll we'll talk about that. But I said it it doesn't. You always uh, get skewed off because we were closer to the end zone than the fifty, and like you know there there was a, a Heinrich Harburg run or something like. Oh gosh, it looks like he got two yards. And he got eight yards on the carry. You know something like you always the the uh, the distance of a play always gets skewed a little bit when you're there in the stands. Always always forget that. 
Yeah, it's funny how watching it on TV is almost more of a intimate view of the game. <laughs> right. Than right. The game. It's just like you know, you miss so much of the context when you're in the stadium. And then when you get home and you rewatch it on the replay, you're like, "Holy shit!" Like that play did that, or you just have a little bit better of an idea of things. Which is one of the things that I haven't done yet. Uh, it's three o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. I have not sat down to uh, watch the replay. Not entirely sure it got recorded. If I'm being honest, I know that uh, Garrett was was asking if my wife was going to watch the game, and then the twins chirped up because we were Facetiming, and and Rob's like, "Ball game, ball game, go go go!" <laughs> you know. So I know they watched the ball game at least till the twins went to bed. Uh, I just don't know. I'm not sure if I got recorded. I haven't gone back to the DVR yet, but uh, it. I tell you what. It would. We got there. We got to Champagne about five o'clock, and it started just walking towards the stadium uh, from parking, and it was chilly but not cold. I mean, you know, was, whoa, whoa! You told me that it was damn cold when I texted you. That was at the beginning of the game, right? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so we're walking down. It's you know at ground level, and you know I hadn't put on my hoodie yet. You know, I'm still in short sleeve jeans, whatnot. It was it was fine. You know. Garrett had his his zip up hoodie on. He was fine. Uh, we walked around the the Grange Grove there. You know, um, they had some some student groups out there. My boy, you know, he loves animals, so he's uh, went. He got kind of gravitated towards the biology tent, and he was uh, telling all of his knowledge that he knew about bugs and bats. So he had a good time, um, and that really I think set that that set the hook. Uh, to use a fishing analogy. Then we got in, then we got to our seats and the wind was going um, west to east as most winds do. Uh, and it was right in our face. And that's when we're like, huh? The only thing I didn't account for was the wind. <laughs> windbreaker. Didn't have, I mean, we, we all had hoodies, but as the night went on, my boy was getting cold. That's so, right. That's right. It Take it right out of you. Yeah, yeah. But but um, yeah. I, right after kickoff, you know, we'd been there about two hours. You know, in the in the in the element uh, elements. Right after kickoff, he says, Is, "Can we go home now?" <laughs> I was like, "No, no." <laughs> and and I to to his credit, my boy was a trooper. Um, I asked, you know, after halftime, he said, "We can stay till the end." And then a little bit later, he say, "When can we leave?" And this was when we were up twenty to seven. I said. I'm not really comfortable with a 13 point lead. <laughs> <laughs> so if they, if they extend it to 27, seven, we can go and possession after possession, after possession, Nebraska gave it away. <laughs> so, so we ended up, we were uh, walking out of our, uh, out of the bleachers as Nebraska was uh, in victory formation, taking the final knees. So felt good to see that. It it, it oh, there's something be, the 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 best formation in football is the victory formation. Letting, much like you, when we were up 13 and they were driving downfield, I found myself being very very nervous. And I, you know, the people I was watching with was like, "Oh no, we'll be fine." I'm like, "No, like I've seen this too many times to assume that we'll be fine." I mean, there was like four minutes left, and and you know they they were scenario. Yeah, it, and it's the it's the perfect scenario that Nebraska has has buckled in the past, right? Uh, they I was watching; they were you know three down linemen. They had um, 
uh, Gunnarsson in there. They they they've been rotating Robinson and, and uh, the polar bear in and out a little bit, but there was a pretty small defensive uh, you know uh, front three that was down, and everybody else was playing off the line. I'm like, this is where they're going to chew us up, and, and they did. And and bend but not break, I guess, was the the theme of the night uh, for for the defense. But I. Uh, as I'm watching this, I'm like, there's there's four minutes left, and we're playing off the ball. We're not we're we're playing not to win. We're playing to not lose, uh, which I think was the, the 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 whole way the whole second half went. For me, I was so concerned with when they were driving there at the end is they get a score, it's twenty to fourteen, and then maybe they get an onside kick, or maybe yep. they kick off deep to us, and we just you know mess up with the clock management or we have a turnover and next thing we know, you know, it's the end of the game and it's Illinois with a walk off 21, 20 win. You know, it's like, we've just seen it so many times right. that that's where our mind goes. And I think that it was the defense. I don't think the defense played conservatively in the second half, but as a team overall, the offense, I don't think it was by design that we played conservatively. I just think that we had some execution issues. We um, ten ish. It, it was the front half of the final quarter, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Illinois has the ball, and Garrett says to me, "He's like, I have to go to the bathroom." I said, "Okay." So, so we we you know hustle hustle down the the ramps as quick as we can, get him to the nearest bathroom, and we're down there. And I hear a, a, an eruption of applause. I said, "Oh man!" So I we get back up to our seats and I, I asked my buddy Micah so what happened he's like oh uh Nebraska intercepted I and I should have known because at that point I'm pretty sure Nebraska fans outnumbered Illinois fans <laughs> yeah it looked pretty empty there by the end I I, I remember um late in the third quarter I, I uh messaged my buddy Josh who's the reason I'm a Nebraska fan really one of the big reasons friend of the show friend of the show Josh and I said uh um are, are they What's the what's the what do the stands look like behind the Nebraska bench? Because I feel like it's pretty bare. And he says, like, dude, they haven't showed the crowd since halftime. <laughs> it, it was empty. Like, it yeah, was- like they they really just kind of kept the tight view of the field. Yeah, it, and it's odd because you know it, it's Friday night in a college town. Uh, it's not great weather. You're, the team, neither team was playing great. So I understand why, like, the college kids would you know, uh, make the mass exodus. Um, it's not like there's a whole lot to do in Champagne. <laughs> no, there's, there's not. Um, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, by the end, I, there were, there were very significant, uh, Nebraska chants. Uh, a lot of the Nebraska fans, I think really started to merge towards the center behind the Nebraska bench. There was an injury timeout, one of like a million, uh, last night, but it was towards the end of the game, and Nebraska fans are chanting at the team, and the defense is turning around and showing love too. So, you know, I, a lot of appreciation for for a little bit of back forth. Of course, that just got a bigger reaction from the fans. Um, overall, real positive experience uh, for for the three of us. Um, little uh, concession snafu, but it, it worked out better than we could have thought. We just didn't get home uh, till two fifteen. <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> that was a long game. It, if you can imagine, and and look, I'm not saying these are the harshest conditions that football has ever played, and I'm not making that you know statement at all. But you know, my boy seven is his first game, um, and I underdressed him. Like he had a hoodie underneath the hoodie, he had a t-shirt. 
I also was underdressed. You know, we just weren't and again anticipating the the but of all the nights to have all the uh injury timeouts and all the other stoppages of play. And I think I was uh reading Andy Ketterson's uh recap on coordination uh this morning and he said like they were about to start the fourth quarter and they were three hours and 10 minutes into the game or something like that. I'm like, it was a three hour, 46 minute game. Uh, even with the new clock rules. The, it, it's like, why even make the change? It's bullshit. Be, and, and I was telling Mike, cause Mike's not a, a football fan. Like he, his most, uh, he went because I asked him, you know, like I wasn't trying to convert him. I wasn't trying to say like, here's the glory of Nebraska football. He went honestly, because I, I wanted to go and I wanted to take my boy, but I was like, let, let's let's have you know another adult there, uh, you know for whatever. And, and Mike's a good dude, um, but he his like most sports stuff is he's a big UFC guy. So I was kind of explaining to him, I'm like, yeah, you're gonna see all these like stoppages in play. I said you'll have you'll come out of a timeout that was a commercial break. You'll have a score, and then you'll have the extra point, and then you'll have a commercial break, and then you'll have the kickoff, and then you'll have a commercial break. I said because the media companies, be it ESPN, I mean it's not just this game, but it's all football, Fox ESPNs, Fox sports, etc. cetera. Um, they are paying a lot of money for these games. And so, you know, they have to make that back up through advertising. So it, Nebraska is the beneficiary of the media rights deal, but the really like the fans aren't. No, no. Especially when you get into those games late in the year, when it's cold outside November, those TV timeouts can just be brutal. Yeah. So I, I get I get why the stands started emptying it, out. It sounds like it was a great positive experience. Uh, first game for your son. It was until about three forty-five this morning. I heard because that's when he was throwing up. Oh, concession stand snafu. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think it was just a, a, a confluence of everything. The late night, a couple, you know, a couple more like sodi pops than he would normally have. A little bit of the food, the cold. I just think it was just the perfect storm of of a bad situation. But he's Damn. he's fine. He's watching cartoons right now. He's happy as can be. Yep. So, uh, but let's get back into the game, shall we? Uh, Nebraska. Let's talk about that goal line stand because that did not come without a rain of booze from the Illinois faithful who were there. Good. I'm glad that Bert, <laughs> that overrated pompous douchebag got humbled a little bit. Oh. I like I got blocked by him on Twitter back in 2015. I'm not still, surprised at all. I'm still blocked by him. I was I said some things that I probably shouldn't have, you know, like I, I could admit that, but still like I just don't like the guy. I think, you know, he's really toyed with Nebraska over the years, even going so far as to plant you know the bs in the media about we are contacting him for the job in 2014 after oh. we fired Polini, you know stuff like that you know the guy guy's just a troll but i think that that goal line stand after illinois got the kickoff and went downfield in position to score and put an already anemic offense ours behind the eight ball that Goal line stand, even before rule, I heard rule say it in the post game, felt like that was a cultural turning point for this program. It felt like it injected some overall confidence because mm-hmm. right? we took, we didn't score a touchdown the following drive, but we went 90, you know, drove it 99 yards essentially for a field goal. You know? Right. And so, like, that was huge to be able to get points out of it. It's it been good enough to get the stop, maybe you go three and out. 
you punt it away, you know, you flip field position. But to get points out of it, I think really gave this team some confidence. I think that, you know, they were able to finally realize, like, it, it becomes an experience that you draw upon when you encounter difficulty the next time. I, I want to uh, pull up a reference point that's going to make you, me, and Nebraska fans both happy and sad. Okay. We got to go back a number of years, but I recall the last time Nebraska started a drive inside their own one was a bowl game, and it was the longest recorded. It said it set a record for the longest recorded touchdown pass. I believe it was Tommy Armstrong to Quincy Inunua. I, I knew I know Quincy was the receiver. Um, the, so that's the happy part. The sad part is that was against Georgia, and we won that game. And look where ten years ago this January. <laughs> Look where we've gone since then. It's look where they've gone. Look where we've gone. Um, to quote the Grateful Dead, "What a long, strange trip it's been." <laughs> but but you're right. You're absolutely right too. Uh, and as I mentioned, you've got we, we all know the rules of you know the the amount of noise that that you're allowed to make as as a, an entity. Fans can make as much noise as they want, but the uh, the PA music and and the band all has to be quiet when uh I, I believe it's like right before the cadence begins something that big 10 schools play a little, those rules a little fast and loose because when i was at northwestern in 2018 they had a dj set up on the terrace in the north end zone in evanston you know scratching records and they would he would keep it going well after the cadence started wow in so, a freshman adrian martinez is trying to call out the signals and this douchebag DJ is still doing his thing. And I, in my opinion, it directly contributed to the high snap in overtime that year that Adrian had to corral and we, you know, missed a field goal. Or I think we had to go for it on like fourth and really long and didn't get it. But um, I think that that's, you know, I think a lot of Big Ten West schools played a little fast and loose. Did Illinois do the same thing? They they were, I'll say this, they the, the band and stuff, they were going right up to – when Harburg was going, I mean, look, we remember there were two, two plays from inside the one, the one was the false start, uh, you know, it, but again, you're inside the one half the distance to the goal line. There's not a whole lot <laughs> of room to go. And then the other one, he's under center because he's getting that push from behind ended up getting with the push. And the fact that he's six, five, I think four, six, five. Yeah. Uh, you know, got a couple of yards, a little, you know, Scotia breather. And then of course it opened it up with a nice pass uh, right after that. So I'm, I'll, I'll say, you know, they did it. I think Illinois did it right. You know, if it were a bigger rival, if it were a Northwestern or, you know, Indiana, if that's or I don't know, then I think that might have, you know, pushed the the boundaries a little bit more. Um, but you're right. Facing the adversity, again, being in the host, the more hostile end of the stadium and able to just make all that, put all that in the background and to and get out of that situation – because that could have been very bad. Like I even I even said to Mike, I'm like, all right, we got to stop just to, you know, because we're Nebraska fans and we're used to more negative than positive, it seems. I said, well, we got to stop. Now what's going to happen is we're going to get a safety and we're going to have to kick the ball back to them. <laughs> yeah. At that point, all I wanted after getting the stop was just take care of the football, get a good punt, flip field position. That's all I was looking for. I If, if you're a Nebraska fan and – the thought of a safety didn't cross your mind when Nebraska made that fourth down stop. I think you're lying to yourself. Exactly. We are conditioned at this point. <laughs> we, it's just been the worst. And we, but you know, I think 
since we're on the topic of the goal line stand, we should probably just talk about the defense first before getting into the yeah. offense. And, yeah. You know, I and like you alluded to earlier, where would we be without Tony White? Um, you are seeing what I've always wanted a Nebraska defense to look like in the Big Ten. And yes, I can't wait until the day comes that we have superstars as, you know, Cam Lenhart develops and Who'll print be on his way, you know, develops guys like that. But right now we just are solid at all three levels with guys that are just being coached up and developed. So like it's a perfect mixture of strength and conditioning, of scheme, of technique, good development. And these guys are just fundamentally sound. They play like a Big Ten defense is supposed to play. And so the confidence that we have in this defense, for crying out loud, we almost shut out a team. And I don't care how bad Illinois' offense is. We almost shut out a team on the road in the Big Ten West. Right. On the heels of how bad our defenses have been since largely you could go back to November of 2016, that is a huge accomplishment. And, and, and so, and they just, they, they grow each game. Like the incremental improvement that they keep showing and like Matt rule, you know, Matt rules an educational psychology guy, just like I am yeah. one of us, you know, when he talks about that, you know, incremental improvement being better in game 12 than we were in game one, which we've also talked about. As right. You are seeing that with the defense. I know there's probably going to be some, you know, some jabroni out there and, you know, our fan base that's going to be like, well, you can't excuse the Michigan game. It happened, you know, like, what are you going to do? No Stats don't lie. You could play Nebraska-Michigan a hundred times with these two teams. Michigan is going to win 100 times, like, just like we talked about last week. And, and I think I, I just want to interject real quick because to that jabroni, uh, I think you can oh, – I think you can take out that Michigan game. That Michigan game is an anomaly on the season um, it, for, for a couple of reasons. One, Nebraska is not going to play another Michigan this year. No. And and two, Michigan, like all the reports. Michigan will beat Georgia this year. Well, well, that, but all the reports that Michigan played as perfect of a game as they could play against us as well. You know, and, and we talked last week about Jimmy's and Joe's and X's and O's, and they've got both. They've got both. Yep. Ne- Nebraska, to your point, Hoss, uh, this needs to be restated. Full of right now X's and O's. Yep. And the guys who are there are, are on the defensive side of the ball are doing are doing it the right way. Reminding. They are they're and and look, we're I we'll get to the offense, but you still didn't have Luke Reimer. Yeah. You know, you last night. Luke- Luke Reimer's out. You're still Cameron Lenhart is a difference maker already yep. as a freshman. He's still not a hundred percent. Right. You know, so like you're missing those guys. I think Ty Robinson is starting to attract a lot of attention from opponents because he's they're they're really double teaming him, trying to take him out of the play. But like Nash Hutmacher, he looked honestly last year, he looked like he was going to be a bust. Mm-hmm. He truly did. He looked like he had zero functional movement. Looked like he had zero, you know, zero motor. It just looked like he had bad weight. I'm not talking about like his want to. I'm talking about like what Duval did to him in the way he, he he was built wrong. He was built wrong, exactly. And, and, and so I feel, I feel like I'm I, I, I gonna. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, th- that built wrong. I feel like he was stripped down to the frame or to the chassis. 
and he was built back in, in a way that makes him a, a real defensive weapon, especially in a conference like the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. You got to have the tip of the spear, you know, in the Big Ten, you know, on both sides of the line of scrimmage, at yeah. center and at nose. Like, and you're starting to see, we'll get to the offense later, you know, but Ben Scott, you know, he's got that nastiness. He's got some dirt bag in him. You know? <laughs> Just, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, this defense, I, I will go as far to say that the X's and O's on this team right now, the scheming to cover up weaknesses and to improve upon and build upon the strengths that we do have. It is some of the best scheming that we have seen at Nebraska. And again, this is going to be an unpopular opinion with some folks out there. Some of the best scheming we've seen since we started 7-0 and in 2016 oh. under Riley, Langsdorf, and Banker. Because when you look at it, that offensive line and Tommy Armstrong in 2016 was a weak point. You had, you know, some, you know, a young Divino Zigbo on that roster, a senior in Terrell Newby, but then you had re- some good receivers and you had Seathen Carter at tight end. But we schemed around our weaknesses. And we, it was, is it a little bit of smoke and mirror? Well, yeah, it's in the name. We're scheming, to, mm-hmm. you know, crying out loud. But we're seeing that on this team where we don't have an elite pass rusher, yet we still get pressure. Right. You know, we simulate pressures. We bring, you know, zone blitzes. Sometimes we'll just go man across the board and bring plus pressure and leave the back end in man coverage. You're seeing really good coaching take place. And to this point, I want to reiterate the fact that it really exposes the Frost era for the fraudulent enterprise that it was. Because you never saw the small, detail-driven coaching take place in the frost era that we are seeing already under rule where the situationally guys, you know, are playing good football. Turnovers are going to happen. Yeah. We've been plagued by turnovers for a long time, you know, but turnovers are going to happen, but guys don't look in situational football goal line stand. For instance, guys aren't getting caught flat footed or looking wide eyed, not knowing what to do. They look like they're being prepared throughout the week to encounter certain situations, much like, I know you're going to hate this, Greg, but Bill Belichick emphasizes in the NFL, you know, situational football, preparing your team so that when they encounter a novel situation, they don't panic. They know what to do. We are seeing that. So like Rule said, he said something in the press conference last night that I absolutely loved. You have to enjoy the innocence of the rise right now. He's like, the team's enjoying it. And he goes, and I hope the fans do too. He goes, I know we all want to win big. And basically he's saying, yeah, that'll come, you know, down mm-hmm. the road. But like, this could be still one of those years that if you just appreciate where we are at as a program right now, trying to beg, borrow, steal, cobble together a win in any way that we can, you know, dare to win ugly, you know, I think that it's something that all of us will look fondly back on years down the road of, Hey, remember rules first year, you know, like I'm just going to project here. Remember when we went seven and five, eight and five, seven and, you know, eight and six, whatever, you know, in rules first year, man, that was a hell of a coaching job. How do you go eight and six? Yeah. Conference championship game. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, realistically still on the table. Still on the, <laughs> actually in this division. But what I'm saying is like, Enjoy the process of building back to what we used to be. 
We've been so because we've been so low at Nebraska that we have this tendency that we don't want to look at the proximal goal right before us of hey, just win, baby. Just win. Who who cares what it looks like? A lot of times, and I said this about our fan base in the past, myself included. We it's not enough to win. We want to win a certain way. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're hey, that what yeah, we won, but God, we looked awful, you know. Fuck that. We haven't been to a bowl game since the Obama administration. Just win. Just win. And so I, uh, I think enjoy each game for what it is. Don't start thinking what this means for the future, what this means for division title race, what this means for, you know, 2026. Just focus on the here and now. If you fulfill, it's like in psychology. If you fulfill your daily obligations every single day, you don't need to worry about the future because the future takes care of itself because you fulfilled those daily obligations. Football is a microcosm of life. It works the same exact way. So if we beat in Illinois 20 to seven, even though we, you know, coughed up the ball inside the red zone a couple of times, left points on the field penalties game should have been 44 to seven for all intents and purposes. You could even make a case should have been 44 zip, but you know, if we do all those th- clean up those things, and we just say, "Hey, we beat Illinois twenty to seven. In two weeks, we come out, we take care of Northwestern. I don't care if that game, I don't care if we win that game seven to three. A win's a win. Like you take it and you move on. Just because for so long we got concerned about not only winning but how it looked. Right. And then under Frost, we were the masters at losing pretty. Yeah. I mean, we could look a, make a loss look real good. Right. But you know, it's like just win. In twenty in twenty twenty nine, if rule is in what year seven, year mm-hmm. six, year seven, at that point, and we're still having some serious offensive skill position prob talent problems, yeah, then you can start bitching. But right now, just enjoy it for what it is. We're eking out wins for crying out loud with a quarterback who Mark Whipple flat out refused to coach last year and a quarterback who wasn't even on the travel roster to Iowa city last November. I want to, I want to, I want to went on for size guys. I want to jump in right there because with the exception of a few additions, the Billy Kemp's, uh, you know, Jeff Sims, who is here, but has in, you know played in less than two games. Uh, some of the freshmen that you mentioned, this is not, the guys on the field are not drastically different than the guys who were on the field last year or, or were, let me, let me make an addendum because of Heinrich Harburg, or we're not, or, or we're available last year. Well, like Heinrich, Heinrich Harburg was available last year. Yeah. And Mark Whipple refused to coach him. So I, I'm just, I and you, you know me well enough, Greg, I've defended play callers time and time again at Nebraska. Mark Whipple yeah, was indefensible, but at the same time, I'm, I, I, you did send me a text last night uh, that said, "Dumbass play calling by Satterfield." There, well, yeah, I'm going to call a spade. A spade. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not Baghdad Bob. You know, I'm not the, <laughs> not the propaganda machine. I'm not Steve Sipple. Um, oh, and I said, "Whoa, <laughs> no!" But but I'm saying. It, it's what, a different. What? It's a different mindset from last year's coaching staff to this year's coaching staff. The, last year's coaching staff said, uh, you know, for whatever reason, ah, we're going to take what you give us from the players. This year's coaching staff, with the the right mindset of, we're going to coach you guys up. 
we're going to prepare you. We're going to give you the the mindset that you can go out there not once but twice in a row and make goal line stands. And and with that again, is it odd that it's the turning point of the game when it's the end of the first offensive possession of the game by either team? That set the tone. shifted. That shifted the. You could feel it in the in the crowd because the Nebraska fans start puffing our chest up. Be like, you don't see that shit. You ain't seen that in a while. And the Illinois fans are like, you know, first of all, they didn't like the calls. They didn't like that neither one of them was a touchdown. But you know oh, that true. that deflated them because they thought they had a gimme. You know, I want to I want to mention something. What you said about Nebraska fans starting to kind of look around, like, well, we got something here, and because it reminds me of what you said about the staff and the talent that they have to work with. They're coaching them up. This staff has lost the in, going back to fall camp. Let's say it's August fifth. Yep. You know, they lost the guy that they had starter at quarterback. They lost their top two running backs. They lost their top three receivers. Now, Marcus Washington. Um, Xavier Betts and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Mm-hmm. They lost what they thought was an NFL talent, Eric Gilbert. That's seven players. That's seven players. And we're still eking out wins. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? We haven't heard a single time from this staff an excuse. And and I'll say this because uh, I want to piggyback on something that we brought up quite a bit in, in very furious tones last week after the, the Michigan game is – there is no, in my opinion, there is no doubting the will or the quote unquote want to in this team. No, they're a bunch of dogs. You know, and, they, and, dog and I, they got that dog in them. And and laying it out the way you just did with the inclusion of last night's game, I'll fight anybody who says it. I, I, I want to go back and 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 yell more in last week's show about those comments that uh, <clears throat> made. Uh, about because no matter how much want to you have, and we talked about this. I don't want to rehash a whole lot. No matter how much want you have inside of you, there are sometimes where you're just going to be outmanned. Yeah. There are sometimes where you're just not going to be as good as the other team. Somebody's always going to be bigger, faster, and stronger. And and we lived that last week against Michigan. But when you have a, a Nebraska team. And an Illinois team that maybe not statistically are right on par. They're not terribly different. They both have turnover problems. They're both two and three on the season, 0 and two in conference play. You have, and we talked about this before we started rolling sound, you have the emotional, I don't know if baggage, but maybe the emotional motivation that we thought it might be with the passing of of a legend of Dick Buckus uh, the day before the game. And I thought, I was saying to uh, one of the coronation listeners uh, who who was attending the game from Iowa, drove in uh, on Friday from Iowa uh, for the game. And I said, man, you just, you know, it, it's very unfortunate. You know, I mean, good long life, hell of a career, uh, good actor. Um, it's just unfortunate, you know, that he passed. But I said, I wonder if this will become like emotional fuel because they want to go out and, and you know, play extra hard for, for Dick Buck, his type of thing. There is no doubt in my mind that this is a team, maybe not of Jimmys and Joes, maybe not of dudes, but a team. And right now, that's what Nebraska needs. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're you'll attract the dudes if you keep doing what you did last night, and that's starting to patch together some ugly wins into a successful 
victorious season. You know, and the big thing too is as that's going on, just support this team. You don't have yeah. to you don't have to like the style that we're winning games because it, it is ugly. And everybody on the coaching staff would tell you that they would not prefer to win games in this style. You know, that's right. not why you get into coaching. You get into coaching because you want to really aim at that perfection. You know, you want to try to get it as good close to perfect as you can. But man, like just enjoy the process of watching these guys get better week over week. You know, like we said, throw out the Michigan game at this point of where we're at as a program. I'm not a value. It's not 2012, 2013. No, where we're playing Michigan. Let's say it's, you know, that kind of, we're having those kind of records that we were having back then. And we're playing Michigan. It's like, okay, let's take our chance. Let's take our, you know, take our best shot at them. See where we stack up at that point. It was appropriate to you know see how we measure up against teams like this but now michigan's not our peer no they're not you know like this team's been to the college football playoff for the past two years this team has won 17 conference games in a row and so when you look at it, it's like illinois that's who you compare yourself to that's a team that we hadn't beat since 2019 right we hadn't beat we hadn't beat that team since before covid was a thing for crying out loud Oh, I don't even like it when you put it like that. Yeah, so you know, I'm good at you know finding these metaphors and analogies and comparing you know methods of comparison. Well, but, I like it, they're fun to watch, even in warts and all. I enjoy yeah, watching them because I, like, you're going to see development week over week. You know, you're going to see a month from now, you're going to see us accomplish something that we weren't able to accomplish like the past few weeks, like. You might see the passing game improve. You might see the offensive line improve and start opening up holes. You might see us, you know, go up to East Lansing and, you know, maybe we hit them with some big pass plays in that game. You're going to see this team get better. And when's the last time that you can truly say that we had a team that was better at the beginning of the, or at the end of the season than they were at the beginning? You know, it'd be easy to say 2018. We started 0 and 6, you know, then we finished 4 and 8. We, you know, won four of our last six games. But here's the deal. And I've said this many times. I don't want to relitigate the past, but I think it's a useful point of comparison to look at Frost's first year and how he went about things and look at Rule's first year and how he's going about things. Yep. Frost inherited a program that hit hard times. You know, like we had got our last four, three opponents in 2017 scored 50 plus. That roster was not so bad in 2017 that it would suggest that we would start 0 and 6 the following year. Okay? Scott Frost, you know, for whatever reason, you know, just didn't translate from UCF to Nebraska. Now, when you compare that to Rule, you're seeing improvement week over week. They're willing to tinker and adjust things to see what works. And they're not pointing towards excuses. Like have you heard him say, "Well, we opened the season with you know, two road games against power five teams. Nope. nope. That's really pointed to it. But, you know, you had another, you had other coaches pointing to a freak lightning storm that cancels a game. Things hey, that are come on now. Control. Come on now. I still, I still make excuses about that. <laughs> no, you know, at some point, at some point you are what you are. And so, you know, when you're an ill-prepared football team, you're an ill-prepared football team. That starts with the leadership. And we're starting to see, you know, this staff scraped the barnacles off the ship that the previous three, you know, staffs left behind. Sorry, I'm on, I'm fired up. I'm fired no. up because you know. Well, I want to. I want to. I want to go back to 
not to not to rehash or, or and definitely not relitigate. It's not that, but something that you talking about appreciating this team for what it is and where it is and how it's going to get to that next level. Something that you said at the end of the the episode or the show last week after the Michigan game is this team's only job. It's not to make a bowl game. It's not to win out. It's not to contend for the uh, West division and, and hope to play for the conference. This team's job is to go one and zero this week. Incremental improvement. And that's what they did. And, and, and we're, we're the the headlines in in Champaign because I, I got a buddy who you know is uh, is a colleague, uh, he, a coworker. He's an Illinois fan. Um, I won't rub it in his face when I I see him at the office on Monday. But you know he he lives up in Champaign. He's like the local media is uh, said the the local headlines were something like uh, Illinois didn't win a game Nebraska was trying to lose or that Nebraska didn't want to win or you know, something like that. Yeah, I mean let's let's get into it. Offense. We talked a little bit about some of the highlights. You know that that go ahead. It's still evolving. You know that yeah. that's the thing. Like we're we're still developing, and we're starting to find what we do well. We are an option. You know, a quarterback run team, but you started to see the offensive line lean on Illinois a little bit. And I'm not. You know, I a lot of stuff needs to get cleaned up on the offensive line. Penalties, missed assignments, stuff like that. But talk about some bullshit disconcerting signals from the Illini defensive line simulating their movement with, you know, yelling go or stem or move to get Nebraska to jump early. That's disconcerting signals. We've been flagged for that in the past. Right. We've been flagged for that this year. Rule even mentioned it that he had talked to, you know, because Michigan did last week, he had talked to the league office and they said that is a penalty. But that officiating last week, was some of the or last night was some of the worst officiating. Sorry, trying to adjust my computer. Was some of the worst officiating I've ever seen. I mean, and, that, like, and that's with a lot of and that's with Nebraska benefiting from a lot of calls. Yeah. <laughs> and, but like the the stemming and the moving, like get everybody on the same page, you know. And you can tell that Illinois was feeling pretty. What's, what's the way to put? It? They were feeling like they were probably pretty outgunned up front if they're resorting to that tactic. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's last year's defense with Ryan Walters as the defensive coordinator, who's, you know, that Illini team last year was really good. Right. But right right now, it's like that offensive line actually started leaning on them a little bit. Like I was, I was relatively impressed with our O line in certain stages last night. The passing game is always going to be what it is with Heinrich Harburg at quarterback. Accept it for what it is because it ain't worth getting your blood pressure <laughs> spiked, you know, when something goes wrong. Just I, I it, and you know, I was I was up there. I was like, oh, you know, he 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 gets running, he gets moving, he just slings it, and that for the look, I for the benefit of those of you watching on YouTube, if you're listening to this. Uh, I mean, you could try jumping to the forty-two-ish, forty-three-ish uh, minute mark of forty-eight, but. That imagine just the the launch point versus that sidearm, you know, forty five degree angle stuff, and you know had another ball batted down, but every I, every time he throws the ball, <laughs> I hold my breath. Oh, but I, I've I've learned that it's that's with any Nebraska. Honestly, the the I'm trying to think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overlooking somebody. Adrian Martinez was kind of the same way. You know, I mean, just, after his it, freshman year, yeah. Uh, Casey Thompson, I mean, he he was 
Now, Nebraska fans have a little bit of a revisionist history with Casey Thompson. Okay. Because, you know, he his mechanics were good, but a lot of bad decisions still. Yeah. You know, and he threw a lot of YOLO bombs to, you know, hey, fuck it, Trey's down there somewhere. That's true. And and the innovator of the YOLO bomb, Taylor Martinez. Arm punt. Uh, I mean, like, I'm trying to figure out in my mind, and I, I'll I'll defer to you because you've got the uh, eidetic memory. Who's the last quarterback that you could honestly hang your hat on and rely on? Honestly, I, it's like we're relitigating the past. Is so it like Joe Gantz or, or, or honestly, Zach Taylor? I would, I would say Tanner Lee at the tail end okay. of the season. You know, after he had a rough start to the year, and then once we got through – Wisconsin, Ohio State, you know, he played at a really high level. He threw for 400 yards, in the, you know, I think two or three times to end the year. He was spinning it really well. Like, at that point, when he dropped back to pass, he was like, yeah, he'll make a good decision. You know, and so, like, that's a comfort to have. Adrian, as a freshman, really felt like that, too. And then it just kind of dissipated over time. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the thing, too, is I can forgive – I maybe not. I find I think I'm easier to forgive a you know a, a bad mechanics or or a, an underthrown ball or a pass that gets caught in the wind, which happened last night. You know, oh, yeah, um, there passes, there were kicks, um, but it's the it's the repetitive poor decision making that I you just uh, clench your teeth and, and and your butthole and and hope for the best. You know, it reminds me. You know, the band Blood, Sweat, and Tears. No. From the seven, I'm sure you got it. I probably do. Somebody's gonna know it out there. But they have a song Spinning Wheel. And this is this is just the mindset I've taken when we drop back to pass. Ride a painted pony and let the spinning wheel spin. You just got <laughs> you just gotta let it rip, man. Like you just gotta lay back and be like, what is you know, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so we had a, a turnover late in the game, an interception. And that was sandwiched between uh, first an Emmett Johnson uh, fumble and then an Anthony Graham fumble. Um, Emmett Johnson, Emmett Johnson never secured the football. You know, yeah. I don't know if it, it was just a bad exchange. I don't know if that's purely his fault or or if joint. Again, you know, things happen. Uh, and Anthony Grant got. I, I'll say this: I know he was run to the right side of the line, and I think. Does he get to the line of scrimmage? I don't know, but if he just keeps going towards the sideline and, and and try to extend the edge, he's got a better shot. But he started doing the Anthony Grant fancy footwork, and and that's when the ball got, you know, uh, loosened. Um, fortunately, again, none of those three turnovers came back to hurt Nebraska in the end. It's just unfortunate because it took points off the board. So, well, let's. Yeah, I mean, I want to start with Emmett Johnson. And, and maybe we're being more polite about it or more forgiving because we won the game. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> but, hey, these things are always easier to talk about in a win than in a yep. loss. But I want to start with Emmett Johnson. I was really impressed with his burst and explosion. through. Agreed. I think that could be a nice piece as the year goes on. Um, second of all, when these turnovers happen inside the red zone, three, you know, two fumbles, then Harburg has the interception, not inside the red zone, but – or was – was the interception inside the red zone? I'm drawing a blank. I think it was probably closer to like the 30 is okay. where the ball actually got picked off. Okay. Give or take. We had 10 penalties for 70 yards. We had three turnovers. Yet we still won the game 20 to 7. Game should have been 44 to 7. 
imagine what it looks like when we play a clean game, when we put it all together in all three phases. And I'm going to say this, and it might be putting the cart before the horse. Uh-oh. Northwestern, Purdue, and Michigan State all have just as bad of offenses as Illinois. Yeah, I don't think there's any de- de- debate or dispute there. Looking at the opportunity to, of course, win the bye week first and to get everybody healthy and then come out and you have the opportunity to string together three more wins, be at six and three, heading into Maryland on November 11th. And let's just try this one on for size. Playing in a stadium back in Lincoln after being on the road to clinch bowl eligibility. That's going to be rocking that we have a bowl eligible team for the first time in seven years. That's huge. That is a huge opportunity that we potentially have in the next month. You know, it's, you know, we all went, I, I always love the late season stretch of Wisconsin and Iowa. Those are the two measuring sticks for me where we're at. But this three game stretch coming up right now, crucial. Is crucial. I mean, I'm talking like this might be, this could be the three game stretch where years from now you look back on it and you're like, that laid the foundation for Matt Rule at Nebraska. And and let's go and get it done. And I'm going to say this we are, (laughs) you know, we got that. It's a perfectly timed bye week, I think. Um, But at the same time, what I'm about to say is going to be sad. It makes me sad. It's going to make a lot of Husker fans sad. We're already halfway through the 2023 regular season. Don't do awesome. this, Greg. Don't do this. I was like, this is where we cry. I feel like Brad Pitt in the movie <laughs> Seven. What's in the box? <laughs> no, man. Don't tell me what's in the box. Um, it's you know, it, it's it's gone by too quick. Well, you know what? You know how we make that better by winning the next three games, stomping a mud hole and walking it dry on Iowa. Maybe even fucking around and winning this division and <laughs> go to a fucking bowl game. Sorry, I'm dropping so many f bombs. What are you doing? I'm gonna have to change the rating on the show, Hoss. My goodness, no, um, it just feels nice to win one. It, it's all, it's all within reach. You know, like right there. we. He, here's the thing. Don't take it. We we always talk about how you, you you're masters of your own destiny and your own fortune. Control you, what you can control. You have six games left on the schedule. Five of those six are against division opponents. And if you win out, there's a very good chance you're going to Indianapolis. I don't mean to laugh, but I'm just the absurdity of this thought that I have just came up. Could you could you imagine you and I have never done a bowl game edition of this podcast, of a podcast together? Oh, God. Could you imagine all of a sudden we find ourselves doing a conference championship game edition? <laughs> oh, that 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 hits me harder than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, right? We, la- 2010 was the last conference. No. We were. 12. We, were 12. 12. we got. We got. We don't want to talk about that. Wisconsin. We I don't want to talk about that. that. I don't, I, I've, that's one game I've never gone and done a postmortem on. Okay, I mean, it's just like, what do you do? All right. So Andy Ketterson, again, coronation.com, um, talked about this. He's like, whatever 
you know, crazy rituals Nebraska needs to do it during his recap. Did you ever watch Ted Lasso over on Apple TV? I did not. All right. So first of all, you need to. Secondly, and I'll tell you why. Uh, in the first season, they they find out. You know, spoiler. Look, I love all three uh, seasons of the show. I think it's it's a tremendous show. Uh, very very um, relatable, organic, and and you, you can't not love the characters. Uh, but in the first season. They find out that, you know, like the the training room is haunted, you know, air quotes haunted uh, because at you go back 100 years, uh, they, you know, the men of the, the community were invited to come out to the stadium for a tryout for the soccer club or f- football club, whatever. Um, and when they got there again, according to the, the story, it's all fictional anyway, um, they were not trying out. They were, in fact, uh, conscripted into the great war. And so the, 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 the story goes uh, that, you know, you can, there, there's a curse, blah, blah, blah. So Ted Lasso gets the team. He's like, bring, bring an important item uh, to you. We're going to have a little ceremony. We're going to put all the demons to bed, so to speak. And just the, I don't know where I was going with this, except for the fact that Andy said, maybe there's a Ted Lasso type of ceremony for Nebraska football, everybody bring your, your, you know, kids blanket or, you know, stuff, whatever it might be for, for this team to, to put, but look at the end of the day, it's been far too long since we exercised our conference champion demons. Haas, we're going to need you to finally put that game behind you. Actually, I want to actually bring something up, you know, uh, Way back when, when I had that bought that Herbie Husker hat before Frost's first year, that took a picture of it, you used on the cover of uh, the article. Yeah, I've you've seen what that looks like now. That hat, right? I've seen. I I have it. It's been well worn. And you know what? The other day, I, you know, I've always worn that. And the other day, I'm not a very superstitious person. I really am not. You know, I'm just somebody that once I have like a hat or something that I really enjoy, I just wear it. You mm-hmm. know? But I was going to wear that hat yesterday, and I was like, you know what? This hat, just for whatever reason, a lot of memories of really yeah. disappointing games. Yeah. So I went with a hat that I actually bought the year before in 2017, the one I'm wearing right now. And uh, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a superstitious person, but I'm going to rock this one for the rest of the season. That's good. That's a good plan. Um, speaking of superstitions, am, am I or demons? Am I or am I not superstitious? So this was. Are you? Uh, I am. Uh, totally. Oh God, am I superstitious? I'm not judging. Um, it's a safe space, Greg. It, it's like the office quote. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. <laughs> um, but this this was technically my son's second game because he was with me and my wife in 2015 uh, when Nebraska played in Champaign, but he was still in the womb. Uh, this was my second Friday night. Champagne or Friday night Nebraska Illinois game in Champagne. I think the trick is Friday night games and my son. I was telling Garrett when we left, I said, "Buddy, we won. We're gonna have to go to all the games now the rest of the year." Hell he's yeah! Like, he's like, "No way, Dad!" <laughs> like, let, let's be realistic. Couldn't afford it if we wanted to. Um, but just the you know, I I'm a little stitious. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, that's that's some of the fun about sports. Yeah. You know, we have the, what we like to wear for games, stuff like that. 
don't go don't get me back to a uh, high school baseball those socks could have damn near walked off on their own oh, God. basically stood up on their own I always wore the same undershirt when I played football. And let me tell you, I still have it. I don't wear it ever. It's just one of those things that like you and Kenny Bell made a few moves with me, you know, and um, that thing, it's been washed many times since then, but man, it's just still smells of ball sweat. (laughs) Anyone who's played football knows that smell, that shoulder pad sweat smell. It is unlike anything out there. Well, as we uh, – uh, I don't know if we have much more to, to talk about with this uh, Nebraska-Illinois game. I mean, we talked a little bit about the – we talked quite a bit about the defense because that's the the real shining spot. And the offense, there's really not anything schematic to talk about. We we just are what we are at yeah. this point. You know, like we're, we're a run-centric team, quarterback run game option. We're going to take some shots and play action downfield on occasion. We're going to try to find a tight end over the middle. And you just hope that, you know, over time, you know, the O-line continues to coalesce. They are getting better. They they truly are. And just start to lean on people. And really just the last thing that I want to set, you know, talk about is the importance of the next three games. Like, I don't care if you've been a Husker fan, if you remember, if you went to your first game in the Devaney era, or if you went to your first game in the Froster rule era. The next three games of Nebraska football should be the absolute most important three games in a very long time. Be all in, be committed, you know, and really, you know, just be unified, you know, as a program, you know, because we've been fighting civil wars as a program for so long and you're still seeing some of that. Some of those vestiges remain. Uh, Just be be behind this team 100 percent. And let's go out and win the next three damn games. And let let's go into Maryland when they or when Maryland comes here on November 11th after mm-hmm. this three games. Military starts, Appreciation Day. Let's have just a rocking stadium and see if we can go steal one from a pretty damn good team. Maryland's pretty solid, you know. They they put up. They should have beat Ohio State today. In all honesty, um, but yeah, be be a hundred percent behind this team. You you know I don't care if you're one of those people that it just hasn't mean meant as much to you since they fired Frank. I don't care if it's you know something that you know you're tired of being let down. Pour all the gas in the tank. Get behind this team. You know I don't care if we win seventy to nothing. I don't care if we win three to nothing. Just win. Imagine what this fan base could do because it look. Any ESPN poll that's put out there about the greatest team of a college football team of all time, this fan base can mobilize. Imagine our power if we could all come together. You know, to quote the Beatles, come Go together. together. Well, I'm right going to say now. this too. And all pushing in the same direction or all hey, or, or polling if you are, want to. You are, you, are you you're getting a little close to saying row the boat there in the same direction there, Chief? That's not what I was saying. Are you sure, I was kind of getting those vibes. I'm saying we we uh, we Anthony Grant behind our quarterback Heinrich Harburg, and we push him and the pile away from the goal line, away from the away from the edge of the cliff. Let's go. Okay, let's go. That's a good one. Uh, go. I want to say this too. You know, we always have a bullshit. great reputation. <laughs> what did you say? I didn't roll the bolt bullshit. Yeah, we know you're a big PJ flat. <laughs> You getting plastic surgery now too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, move on. Let's go. 
No, what I was going to say is we, we all know the reputation that Nebraska fans have had for traveling to bowl games. I just want, you know, maybe this, this positive visualization, manifestation, we'll just call it this. Imagine, let, let's say that we do maintain, we, get, we attain bowl eligibility. And mm-hmm. whether that's we squeak a sixth win against Iowa to get there, or we have our sixth win locked up by early November, or we go to somehow we go to Indianapolis to play in the Big Ten championship game. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, like let's just say, like, regardless, we're bull eligible. There is so much pent up demand in this fan base from not being in not going to a bowl in so long. Whatever bowl game takes us. They are going to be counting money. They're going to be Scrooge McDucking this month. <laughs> they are going to be pumped about ticket sales. Like, hell, I think I'm probably going to be trying to go to the bowl game wherever it is if I can afford it. Like, ideally, Las Vegas Bowl would be a great place. You know, nice stadium, Pac-12 opponent. But, like, whatever bowl game, I'm going. I've already made that decision that I will go to um, uh, the bowl game. But – there's a lot of pent up demand, and I think that we are ready to just embrace the fact that we're gonna get to where we want to go by focusing on the small things, focusing on the incremental improvement. And we truly should have a shirt for the podcast with that phrase because we've been hammering that phrase for five years now. I'm gonna see if I can't get John to have something worked up uh, for Cobbycorn.com, which, if you are uh, for for the benefit of, of those of you. Oh, that's it. That's an old one. All right. Uh, I don't know if the promo code will work, but check out the banner, uh, copycorn.com. You can get all of your coordination gear there. I can't guarantee that that, uh, well, no, it says the collection, the, the RTFB, which is run the fucking ball, uh, collection, uh, is out. Um, but apparently the sale ended October 6th. So I got to get with John and find out what the new code is, but go to copycorn.com and I'll see if we can't work something up. Uh, for something incremental improvement. And because it's a, a phrase that Haas loves, perhaps most of all, we'll make sure that all the royalties go to him. So you could be directly helping Haas pay off his student loans. Be much uh, appreciated. <laughs> because those b- bad boys are back. Yeah. Um, Welcome uh, to Fight Night, Doc. <laughs> um, and I, I, oh, I, was, I know what I was going to say. Uh, Haas, will you be my date to the Big Ten Championship when Nebraska's there? Fuck yeah. <laughs> and yeah, no, I'm not going to follow that up with the other thought that came to mind. <laughs> we've been, we've been talking about that for years and that's just how long it's been since Nebraska has been there. So uh, Indianapolis before they potentially change it, move it out West uh, Indianapolis would be a good place to go uh, for Nebraska to get this final quote unquote division uh, of, of, a, you know, divisional big 10 football uh, go there and, and, and compete. What, what a, what a world we could be in if uh, if Nebraska got to the Big Ten championship, especially after starting off uh, losing three out of the first five, including road trips at Minnesota, Colorado, because Colorado's not going to go to the Pac-12 championship. But Nebraska could. You know what? I, I still kind of want to hedge a bet here and say I think Colorado will finish with a worse record than Nebraska. Well, that's what John said. Two of the smartest people I know. I truly believe that. Are and saying, you know what? That's why I was so pissed off with the Colorado loss. That bullshit was largely smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You know, they took advantage of we couldn't do anything offensively. Defense hung in there. Like, 
I bet if you played that game in November, I bet we'd win that game. Because of the incremental improvement that Nebraska will have made by then. Um, I don't know what we're going to do next week because there's not going to be a a, a Husker game to overreact to. Um, But we'll find something. We'll, 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 yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's collaborate on that. We will, we'll have a discussion with and, and off air and we'll bring it to you uh, as needed. You're on a need to know basis, folks. And uh, as soon as we know, <laughs> we'll fill oh, you I- in. <laughs> uh, Hoss, man, I appreciate you uh, jumping on with me in the, in the uh, late afternoon hours uh, while my twins are sleeping uh, and before dinner arrives. Yes. It's, what what it, do you have for dinner here, Chief? Uh, Papa John's. Okay. All, All right. right. No, so, so here's the thing my like- wife's cleaning. Um, I asked if I could help. She was actually in cleaning the the boys' bathroom, so if you can imagine. And I said, anything I could do? She's like, no, not really. I mean, this it's a no, you can't fit two people in there to clean. And she said, just make sure that dinner is here. I said, I said I'm going to go record with Haas then. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad I could help in some way. I was a con. That would she she you know what she gave me the exact task that I hoped to uh pull on the chore chore sheet so uh brother it's always a blast marriage by greg mahachi (laughs) how to do it wrong so you don't have to do it at all all right man well thank uh it's it's always fun that we can laugh more uh after a win usually than we can a loss so uh buddy great catching up with you we'll talk to you again soon sounds good and for everybody else out there go big red win the damn bye week